Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. Hi, I'm Joseph Whitney. And I'm David Campbell. Welcome to Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction technology, processes, and beer. Hey, David, thanks for another week of Brewing with BIM. Let's chat about the lean aspect of this. Let's do it. So so jumping in, man, I'm gonna, here's my devil's ad, advocate here um, on the lean BIM. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a BS. In, in, <laughs> you yeah. do a lot of BSing. That's I do do a lot of BSing. <laughs> so my, my BS is in uh, geography, GIS, that fun junk, right? Mm-hmm. But I have an MBA, which is, you know, another BS. <laughs> but, uh, it's probably the, the BS of all BSing uh, in, in Six Sigma and process improvement. So when, when you said lean, I was like, yes, I want lean. I'm going to take lean all day long. And, and the reason why is, you said lean as in like, and I know you, 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 you're thinking what I was thinking, but lean versus swole is kind of that like, you know, skinny versus big. Um, mm-hmm. Lean is about, you know, you know, integrating lean principles, integrating that Kaizen mentality, you know, uh, rather than, you know, being lean on content, it's, it's lean on, it's stripping out unwanted tasks it's you know reducing the amount of commands i've got to type reducing reducing a lot of it down to the core functions and essential functions but making it meaningful at the same time it's um so the two the two are not mutually exclusive swollen and lean are not mutually exclusive uh just due to the very nature of lean principles so again that might come back to contracts that might come down to finding the best roi out of the, the practices that we implement but for mm-hmm. me, uh, lean BIM is a uh, BIM with a purpose. It's not BIM for bloat. And I think we had a, like a little off off tangent conversation about this maybe last week, where I was saying um, uh, we came to the same conclusion. Same conclusion where swole BIM for you is is uh, is still BIM with a purpose, and and mm-hmm. same thing for me. Lean BIM is is BIM with a purpose, right? It's not BIM for bloat. It's not nope. you know, BIM because uh, um, you know because we just want to pump you know ridiculous information there it's it's a desired outcome that follows a set of principles and um it's primarily for uh, risky risk reduction you know less accidents less rework that sort of stuff you mentioned uh reducing rework earlier so so using lean for that stuff um you know less of the inevitable overages less of scope creep uh having projects delivered on time you know um, avoiding um uh litigation you know you know, essentially have a purpose and then put information that specifically pertains to this purpose. And um, a lot of this for me centered around a few things. Um, sorry, man, you you said lean and I was like, boom, I'm going on a nerd. nerd <laughs> you're you're good, dude. Keep I'm going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read all the the articles. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it <laughs> here and, and and you know interview some people and get some research and had a few conversations and really what it boiled down to was um, 
uh, lean BIM is is really about getting to the uh, planning stage and getting through pull planning and coordination and all that sort of stuff. So, getting to last planner systems, uh, lean was was huge in that, and then allowing us to to pull on that Revit information, pull on that that yep. information that's in the model for our you know phasing and scheduling and sequencing and all that stuff. So all that information that we put in the model helped us through pull planning and phasing and and getting that timeline accurate. Um, also that we yeah. could get through coordination quicker and uh, deliver the project on time. So for me, lean at the end of this, all of it was just about getting to time savings. It was just about making sure that we were um, catching everything in a timely manner um, and mm -hmm. just staying on top of those processes and, and reducing the amount of errors, which for me, Six Sigma is, I mean, we, we, we talk about, um, you know, so so there's a downfall of Six Sigma today, right? Um, and for those of you guys that don't know what Six Sigma is, it's um, a preset. Uh, I think it's oh man, I'm gonna butcher this so bad, but it's like uh, 1.8 defects for every uh, million opportunities or million projects products. Um, I think that's right, 1.8. Dude, it's been so long since I've I've actually. I think by now everyone should know not to quote your statistics. Your statistics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's probably probably good. Um, uh, Google will help me. Um, <laughs> oh man. Anyways, it's like uh, following a series of of principles: DMAIC, DMADV. Uh, uh, so to make, define, measure, analyze, and prove control, it's a set of systems that we use to, to get to, um, uh, to reduce the amount of error. So think about it in terms of manufacturing, um, you know, think about it, um, in terms of, of airlines, airlines is the greatest, the greatest example. Um, so, uh, in airlines, you know, that's, that's like a very, uh, risky thing to have more defects in yep. that. That so following oh, it yeah. manufacturing through the way the airlines operate, six sigma is very important. In fact, I, I think uh, airlines operate something at like seven sigma today. Um, it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, so it, the biggest thing I have there is it seems like, if I'm honest, lean seems a lot like cookie cutter, right? It's something that we want to rinse and repeat. And I mean, essentially, yes, you're trying to adjust um, here and there, but it seems like, and I know that's the idea. That's really what you want. You want to be able to use this kind of cookie cutter approach to be able to just reapply things. But the thing about construction is, and, and what I see with almost every building is no project, no building is ever the same. It's one of the reasons why I fell in love with construction, because no matter what you do, you go from one project to the next. And it seems like this could be exactly the same type of building. Yeah, site conditions could be different. You know, the plumber that you have on this job could be different. It, it, everything kind of changes because it all has to depend on what is currently happening in that project. What is going on with it? The information that's needed in that area is based on that, right? So I'm, I'm almost seeing like I, I love the ideas, like I said, that the, the ideals of being, uh, or I'm sorry, of lean. It's just my thing is like I just feel like there's not enough. You know what I mean? And we can't apply that enough to it because it's constantly changing. So so let me let me let me uh, 
get back to my thought, and it's going to tie into my um, rebuttal to that statement right there. So actually, okay. if, if I, I again botched it, it's actually 3.4 defects per million. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're getting to this point where manufacturing and construction are are merging. And the reason why I bring up Lean, Six Sigma, process improvement, and I think the reason why it's very important in construction is because the set of principles that we do follow, and you're right, they can be rigid at some times. And there's, so I want to, let me tangent off of this real quick. So uh, <laughs> I was getting, I was going to say there's a decline in Six Sigma and not just Six Sigma, but process improvement in general. And the reason is, um, so like GE, you know, one of the largest companies in the world followed Six Sigma heavily. And they implemented it to a point where they over implemented it. And so there's an ROI, right, for any processes that you implement. There's an ROI. They went past that ROI to where they were not seeing any key benefits. Like um, if anybody follows like Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss has a um, workout plan that, you know, his whole uh, four-hour body, you know, fitness, whatever it's called, book uh, centers on a couple of key ideas. You make these small, minute changes in your life, and they're going to give you the biggest ROI and anything that you implement above and beyond this or any gains that you want to make above and beyond this actually take a lot more work um, to get to. But these small changes give you the biggest ROI. It's the same thing with uh, process improvement methodologies. Um, we can make small changes or, or maybe even they're big changes, but but they're the easier to implement. They're the big broad, broad sweeping strokes that we can implement, you know, that'll give us the greatest change overall, but any gains that we want to make beyond this, right? We want to get to, you know, that 3.4 defects per 1 million um, uh, products created or whatever. In order to achieve that, it takes significantly more investment in time and resources to achieve that. But we can get to um, a level to where maybe we have 10 defects for every 1 million, but getting to 10 defects um, is actually like really easy. And maybe that difference between 3.4 defects and 10 defects is um, uh, financially not a big deal for us, you know, uh, because our product's so low cost, or maybe the defects are small enough that nobody's returning them or, or, or they're workaround, you know, workable. Um, so it's just getting an ROI to the amount uh, of investment or, or an ROI for the work that we're willing to put in for the changes that we're willing to implement. And the reason why I, I bring that up and I wanted to circle around to that is because GE suffered um, uh, an analysis paralysis type thing where they were overanalyzing, trying to figure out how to keep improving, 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 improving. And improvement is great, but it's if you're focused on improvement, you're stymieing creativity. Oh, and okay. yeah, yeah, important to note. So if we're talking about construction, Construction is one of the, the most creative industries that you could ever go into. And a lot of people don't think about this. And I'm not talking about the websites that the, that the contractors have, which is you know, great and important. Um, I'm talking about um, the complex problems they solve, the designs, the, the engineering, the value engineering, the reverse engineering, the, the, you know, everything that, that goes into a project is, is a creative process. Um, and and there isn't you're right there isn't a rigid workflow for us to that we that we can follow 100% of the time, but what we're gonna see as we uh, implement things like BIM 360 and you know competitive products that are doing that analysis over project over uh, projects over you know long periods of time, is we're gonna be able to um, uh, get pattern recognition, which is gonna be able to tell us where we can focus on improvement, where are we gonna focus on this stuff while not stymieing creativity. But at the same time, telling us like, look, these two subcontractors can't work together on this type of project, 
or whenever we you know do this we get um uh, we're we're 98% more likely to get clash issues and constructability issues in the in the following phases but having all of those processes documented so that pattern recognition can develop um that's another thing there's no organization there's hardly any pattern recognition going on today but as we start documenting these and integrating technologies that are recognizing these patterns um we'll be able to get to that point where we're not stymieing creativity but we are uh figuring out these these processes that we can implement these very simple processes you know these lean principles that we develop lean is not uh by any stretch of the imagination a um uh highly defined uh process that everybody has to follow to a t i've worked with uh in portland dude where you where you are there's a um a lean initiative for construction headed by a local electri- uh, engineering firm or electrical uh, contractor and um, uh, 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 general contractor, uh, a gentleman at a general contractor who actually left, but the guy that was spearheading it from the contractor side, very, very brilliant young man, and I'd like to get him on the podcast at some point in time, but um, uh, you'll know who I'm talking about when I say it. He is uh, now works for somebody in Tacoma, so that should... Uh, I should get yep. your ears. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, they were um, running this kind of lean construction processes uh, task force to figure out, you know, what are some low cost uh, tools they can implement to track certain um, workflows patterns so that they can make small changes. And they were all about, you know, reducing the amount of clicks they've got to make, only putting in key information in the model. I'm not talking about stripping out the model, right? But having geometry, mm-hmm. but then any attributes that go into those families um, had a specific identifiable outcome that that you know that specifically related to whether it be through coordination estimation um, for the owner's purposes whatever it wasn't BIM for bloat it was um, uh, a desired outcome intended for it so so when we're talking about lean processes and I know I'm going on this long ass rant about this but uh, when we're talking about lean processes. Um, I just wanted to to make sure that you know we we get rid of the idea and the notion that um, we're talking about rigid principles. There are controls that you do follow, like with Six Sigma, it's uh, there's you know if it's an existing process, it's DMADV, uh, define, measure, analyze, uh, or yeah, d- define, measure, analyze, design, verify. Um, and then if it's a new process, it's the make define, measure, anal- analyze, improve control. Um, so, so what, you know, those are controls that you would follow, but really that's simple. So I, 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 uh, I spent a little time on the road today and I just want to tie this in. I'm going to start an Instagram talking about, uh, some of this stuff. Um, but I was recording myself while I was on the road and I, I came down to, um, you ever heard of a plan, do, plan, do, check, act? the PDCA uh, mantra of like, uh, it's very simple improvement. Anything you want to do in your life, make a plan, uh, do it, check, uh, check on it, act or whatever. Maybe I'm getting out of, out of order, but anyways, there's this acronym that you follow and, and it's supposed to, you know, get you through, you know, to, to your goals, right? If you make a goal, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we go through all these trainings, right? So I'm going through this training with, uh, um, uh, Jeff, Jeff Blunt, uh, his team and our team, um, doing these, uh, weekly training meetings and on it, we're talking about, um, you know, measuring your, your goals, your real life, life goals, you know, cause, um, you know, a goal that's not on paper is a dream and a goal without a plan, 
you know, is this, you know, something else? I don't know. But anyways, uh, you got to make a plan to achieve a goal and then you have to keep track of that, that plan to make sure that you're following it. If things aren't working right, you got to make adjustments and make tweaks. So I came up with this one acronym and I think you're really going to like this acronym. This acronym is IPA. Now IPA, delicious beer. You're drinking one right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but identify plan act. So let's, let's, let's lean out process improvement. Let's simple it to its most essential core. So anyways, we'll talk about this another time, but just think about that, man. Identify plan act. Think about, yeah, think about, you know, small changes you can make, um, identify what the change you want to make, um, and, and the outcome that you want, make a plan for that act accordingly. If it doesn't come out the way you want, identify what went wrong, plan and act again. Uh, very simple. So, so anyways, man, I went on this rant, then I went on this tangent and I just wanted to get through the idea that sick, uh, um, lean process improvement, lean BIM is not boring, even though I made it very boring in this conversation, <laughs> but, no, but, but it, you don't have to, uh, uh, follow strict, strict processes. Think about it in terms of, um, doing the constantly most evolving. The, yeah. Constantly involving doing the most with the least. And if you're not getting the outcomes you want, figuring out a process to, to improve. That's all it is, man. I got you. I got you. I think I turned our like 30-minute podcast into like a four-hour podcast with that. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. Uh, we probably did. But no, it was good. It's, it's really good to have these conversations because I feel like it's, it's kind of what we both want is, is something that's constantly changing. It's going to be evolving, of course um per project and as you kind of get going with it but it's always learning and always seeing what you can get out of this model what you can put into it in terms of what is needed and and really getting everybody to where they need to be without spending too much money so i mean i think you and i we have consensus right you know uh whether it be lean bim or swole bim um have an intended target and, and use that information for that or maybe you're just putting in everything you can, you know, because you're you're hoping somebody else can use it downstream. But <laughs> there's no way for you to measure, you know, anybody using that. Then you'll never know. So you need you need a feedback loop. You have to create a feedback yep. loop. You so, do. so what this boils down to, though, is, um, you know, you you have to have an execution plan. You know, you have to have an LOD uh, definition. Use tools yep. like LOD Planner or something like that. Um, and and you know, swole BIM, lean BIM, they're both good. Just oh, figure yeah. out, figure out, you know, why you want what and who's going to use it and how they're going to get to it and make, the, make a plan. Bottom line, identify what needs to be done. Plan, act, Dude. IPA, baby. Yep. <laughs> if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I already knew how this podcast was going to go because the more, the more that I looked into lean BIM and lean processes, the more I realized that it's not really it's not leaning more towards one side or the other, if I'm honest. And this whole podcast was, you know, lean versus swole BIM. But really, it's it's that if I, if I think of like that circular chart, right, where both circles kind of come together and it's that middle area that you really see what you want. It's, you know, swole BIM has all these awesome things. Now it has its it has its positives and its negatives. Lean BIM, lean construction, it has all these positives and its negatives. But what we really want is that portion kind of in between where we figure out exactly what's needed in terms of how much information you really need to push into this model 
to be beneficial for everyone involved. It's not just the architect to save him some freaking money and time and to save them litigation and responsibility. It's not just about the mechanical engineers or, you know, the electrical engineers. It's not just about the contractors. It's not just about the owners. It's everyone involved for this entire life cycle for whoever is going to have this building. Right. We you know who probably has it figured out more than anybody as a multidiscipline firm that has architecture, engineering, and construction that does everything all in-house. Yep, design on, build. For, for large projects, specifically large projects, like an HDR or somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who's yep. just massive. That's not working with subs too much, but um, knows what they want to analyze, know who's going to use what. Like, may, you know, maybe they don't have it worked out, but I feel like they, above anybody else, should be leading the charge as far as seeing who needs what, when, and pushing that. I feel like they could be the ones. I mean, we work with a lot of large ones. Yeah. Uh, I, I was chatting with this young lady with, uh, yesterday, and I thought that I had it figured out. And she's like, no, we're we're all very siloed. And I was like, oh, that is, like, unfortunate. Like, I mean, I don't know if that's, again, uh, an internal, you know, risk issue or, you know, or, or whatnot. I don't know what the deal is. But uh, you, you just think, like, maybe, like, they have the most to gain out of this. Yep. I don't know. Well, and I mean, you know, one of the biggest things that we see in our industry is everyone holding information. And I understand it. I do to be profitable. You want to hold your trade secrets. You want to you want to hold that stuff close. But I feel like if we could share information in terms of what works on projects, what doesn't work, the the turnouts of different projects and what they see, if we can start releasing this information and not being so siloed in terms of just business to business, but as a people. And I know that's all like hippie tree hugger kind of stuff, but it's like, man, if we can really all, I am in Portland, man, (laughs) keeping it weird. But it's like, if we could all really just communicate these processes and show everyone so we can all grow together. I mean, really as construction, as a process, if we can see, you know, release these analytics, give us the data. I don't need to know exactly how you did this and what you did. I just want to know the data. I want the data. I want to see what happened. I want to see how we can use this in future projects. And as these smaller companies grow, as they they develop these new processes that change, what are they doing? How is it becoming? How is it? How are they doing that? So and and, and, yeah. So uh, I was just gonna uh, harp on something for a second. So uh, years ago, I was chatting with some people from MongoDB. Um, a database company, and we were uh, talking about plugins to Revit, and they had developed mm-hmm. something that maybe they were, you know, looking at using to um, tap into uh, Revit journal files. And I was thinking of it from a training standpoint, right? If we were, because we do a lot of e-training, consulting, all that sort of stuff, uh, but think about it from a construction process. If we were reading people's journal files and like analyzing and again you know breach of you know uh, trust and yep. big data and mm-hmm. some reasons why it never happened but and, and and nobody wants to you know know that somebody's watching their every click but yeah analyzing journal files um to figure out you know um, how long it took people to do stuff or um you know when a specific change was made why they made that change um, like, you know, maybe not know why they made that change, but it would tell us when they made that change. So we could actually yep. look at and see if maybe somebody else's model updated or maybe if they just, you know, decided to change it on their own. But anyways, yeah. it would give us all of this analytics and feedback into that idea. Of, well, that's perfect. 
That really is because, I mean, essentially when you're doing that, when you start pushing that information back into something like, let's say, Revit, and I, I mean, I almost want to break this down. And let's say, you know, those that wall join command where you can kind of hit next and you can go through all your different types of wall joins. Well, what if it actually analyzes what's going to happen on a typical construction project? Like you can detail this out this way, this way, this way, or this way. And it gives you, I want to say design options, right? Ooh. And those are your design options based on what typically happens on these projects in the field, right? And then you start getting into, let's say, what what you know Autodesk is really trying to get into. And I mean, that's going to be the the um, generative design. Generative to design, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Knowing as, based off of the conditions. As soon as you said that, as soon as you were like, uh, you know, knowing what what's going to happen afterwards, I was like, this sounds a lot like what Autodesk is preaching. <laughs> yes, but, man. you know, there's that fear though about AI based design or, or gen, you know, generative design rather. Uh, where you give it constraints and um, it gives you like a thousand outputs. Mm -hmm. I've chatted with engineers about it and their whole thing is, well, how, you know, how do I know which one to stamp? And then if it goes to litigation, I have to choose, you know, why I chose this one. Pardon me. <laughs> Fears kicking in. Yeah. yeah had a burp, man. <laughs> uh, this one, you know, why I chose this one uh, design over the other 999 designs or whatever. You know, that might be a real litigation case and there's cause for concern there, but it, it, it it's not there yet. It's not that complex. Really, it is, is like give it some constraints and let it figure out the best path for, you know, uh, curtain walls and mullions and, you know, like, stupid, you know, um, really hard to detail items, but let it focus yeah. on that stuff for you. And then, you yeah. know, you drag the wall commands and you decide how much, uh, um, you know, what structural beams need to go in there and that sort of stuff. I do think, though, at some point, generative design is actually going to save us tons of money on uh, on costs because it's going to yeah. tell us, well, you don't need to use, you know, this specific I-beam with this flange mm -hmm. to, to, um, uh, to do this, you know, this yep. run project. Actually, following the same constraints, it would save you, especially if we tied in cost data, yep. right? Said, Dude. You know, 20 foot Start span of this cost, you know, $1,500, but yep. you know, two 20 well, foot spans of, of wood frames only cost us $600 and we're just running yes. those. It and would, then it you would, combine that, imagine combining that into structure. I yeah. mean, honestly, if you can combine that into the structural analysis kind of thing, okay, you only need this to support this. Yeah. This has so, worked in this analysis. So I don't think we're talking about generative design. I think we're talking about value engineering generative yes. value engineering and that's really yes i think that's really the the key here is uh, that's the way autodesk could focus on selling it generative value engineering rather than generative design because at the end yep. of the day somebody still has to stamp a design and you know there's a lot of you know concern and you know th this mm -hmm. this can't replace what i do blah blah, blah. you know there's everybody's yep. scared of technology replacing jobs that sort of stuff but it gets less scary when we talk about it in the context of cost savings for value yep. engineering and not necessarily the design and stamping uh, component. Yep. And I'm always against that argument anyways. I mean, I know it always, technology does replace jobs, but at the same time, it creates new jobs because it's, yep. you know, while you're, while you're ending one job, you're creating another type. You're creating another job at the same time. I think we ran it about this before where I was talking about Amazon and yep. uh, how many jobs yep. they're killing versus creating. We don't know, but the technology that's come out of it 
has definitely created more jobs, um, you know, than, than it's displaced. So the technology yep. has definitely created more jobs. You know, um, it's insane. I just had an idea last night. It was kind of stupid, but you know, we were talking, I think it was, I don't know if it was you that I was talking, were we talking about scanning? Um, I was talking to someone last night about kiosks that would actually scan you. And then they could try on, like, let's say you go into an Amazon-style clothing store. You go into Abercrombie & Fitch. Yeah. You, know, you go into Hollister. They scan. It was the, uh, the, the lights, right, that we were talking about with Paul. That's what it was. Yeah, the little hologram was, table thing. Yes, the hologram table. Thing. Yeah. Man, imagine yeah. that in a clothing store that could actually – you walk up, it scans you. And that it actually takes your body, puts you in there, and you can actually scroll through. And it will put these clothes on you. And you can scroll through, pick your outfit, and then there's an automatic like robot, and it'll open up this drawer in front of you, and you take out the clothes that you just purchased. I like the idea of not trying or not buying clothes that other people have tried on. I think that's a yep. good idea. But I don't know. There's <laughs> yeah. something about like feeling the way something fits. I it's don't know. It's on you. No, I, you're I, right. And the fabric itself, how it feels on I, you. I think you're we completely have, right. I think we have to. Um, we just have to do it. And then see how, and then gauge the feedback from it, rather than, yep. uh, you know, analyze it, no analyze it ahead of time. The technology is already already there, man. Like I've been in yep. a, a a trailer, like a trailer that had like a, a room that was all scanning, and you just walk into it. They had it on this uh, job site. You walk into it, and uh, it's it's got like um uh, like cameras like all over the place, so that if they ever needed to uh, um, uh, scan and create a part, fabrication, whatever. Um, they could literally just scan an existing part right there on site, uh, send the information and the model back to the guys out in the field or in the, uh, the, uh, the shop, they'd fabricate it and bring it on site for them. Like, man, yep. We're, we're getting there. So imagine do that with clothes. Wait, why not? Like, imagine, imagine 3d printing parts for cars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, so there's <laughs> that's a little farther down, but we're well, getting there. So, I mean, we're getting there. The idea is that taps into another market called additive manufacturing, and that's about the chemicals that go into these 3D printers, right? So I can't just 3D yep. print with plastic and resins to get the car components because you're talking about heats and uh, yep. high – high um, Pressure, friction. Yeah. You're talking you're, about a lot of high speed. It, it, there's high, so many different variables. Yeah, high spec. Like um, we're talking we're talking about Six Sigma and we're reducing issues. The automotive industry, if you get a, a, um, a shaving in that cylinder or something like that, um, a little, you know, bump or whatever cylinder, um, you know, it, it hits that, scratches mm -hmm. that, whatever. You're getting metal flakes all in your engine. You're blowing rings. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So, um, 3D printing, I don't know uh, if that's going to be there for cars or if it is going to be there for cars. The technology is just going to get better and better and better to the point that it does make sense. But more than anything is we have to get through the additive manufacturing phase where um, the chemicals and the compounds that we're, we're printing with, once they cool, they actually, you know, we can use those for the internal combustion engine. Uh, if we're talking about fenders and bumpers and that sort of stuff, dude, let's do that all day long, man. Why not? 3D print. Yes, you're completely right. Yeah. yeah Paul, I mean, he's... He would love to do that. I I think he like carbon fiber stuff and all that. Like he's <laughs> yeah. like molding, you know, resins and all that crazy stuff. So. I look at Paul's stuff and I'm like, man, I need to do more. <laughs> I, <laughs> he was doing, just made a Dungeons and Dragons table. 
That yeah. is awesome. <laughs> cool, except for you guys are nerds. Just saying, yeah. man. <laughs> I talk with the yeah. Chicago office. They like start. Uh, we're on like a group chat together, and they'll start, you know, sending random text about uh, Game of Thrones. And I'm like, dude, this is over. I'm like, you guys are so lame. Just, oh, just Game of Thrones. You? Oh my gosh, dude. Game of Thrones is amazing. <laughs> ah. You know, the issue for me with Game of Thrones, um, and I know we're getting way off topic, but the issue for me had to do with, um, I got into it, like, you know, I found out about it, or, or I felt like I wanted to start watching it after it was already like four seasons in. And at that point, I'm just not ready to commit to watching four seasons of like 40 minute shows or however long they are to catch yeah. up. Watch, so, I, can, so, I can binge watch. That's okay. It gives me, it gives me more to watch to be ten, caught up <laughs> 10 years from now maybe you know i'll have some time and i'll i'll do it but for me it's all about the thing i'm looking most forward to is uh, uh disney plus and re-watching all oh, of the yeah. stuff of my childhood the boy meets world yeah. episodes the old you know cartoon disney shows and my kids oh, want to yeah. watch all the you know descendants and all that sort of stuff so i don't know oh so um i, I want to close this out real quick man uh you and i can chat later but uh, we're at that hour mark and uh, I know we were talking about uh, trying to make these shorter, but uh, not this episode, man. <laughs> not this um, one. So I think no matter what, what it boils down to is uh, just at the end of this, getting the information, um, whatever, you know, whatever that I might think be, it's... sort of works. And then, you know, some yeah. things might work for you, some things might work for somebody else. But I think the only way for us to determine a winner on this episode is if you and I do a push-up competition while we're at AU. <laughs> you don't want this. The... You don't want this smoke, Joey. You don't want this smoke. I don't know, man. <laughs> do uh, I think I can do like five push-ups right now, so this is yeah, right. this is probably perfect for me to to uh, start to brushing up on my push-up. <laughs> You've got a military background, so I know you're I was going to say, dude, up. I can do push-ups for days. <laughs> I can still do push-ups. I, I still I, I did it the other day just to see like I don't know why but I have this like oh man maybe I should take a PT test just to see kind of where I'm at and I did like 60 push-ups in two minutes and I was like oh actually that's not too bad but then I get up and my arms start feeling like jello and I'm like oh no <laughs> so just oh, before no. this podcast while I was waiting for you to get set up I knocked out uh, 100 push-ups but the most I got <laughs> The most I got in one rep was like 45 or something like that. So I've got a while yeah. to catch up if you're doing 60 pretty easily. No, dude, I'm not. I'm not Ron Burgundian over here. You know, <laughs> one thousand, <No. laughs> one, one thousand two. <laughs> no. Oh man. Oh, yes, God. let's uh, let's count on that, dude. You and I will do a, a like a two minute uh, push up competition while that we're at it. Sounds good. It'll be fun. We'll record it. We'll throw it up on uh, on the website. That'll be funny. Yeah, that um, sounds good. Yeah, that'll be great, man. Well, hey, dude. Um, I'm gonna hit stop record here in just a second. Uh, but is there anything you know anything you want to say before I do that? No, I'm cool. Actually, I just want to say thank say wow say thank you to everyone for uh, listening to us. If you guys have any feedback, let us know. You know, we're always willing to. Uh, listen and adapt to some constructive criticism or any topics that you guys might have for us to kind of go on to. And it, uh, I'm just, I'm looking forward to this as it grows, dude. Yeah. And I want some beer suggestions next week. I'm in uh, mm -hmm. Illinois, Michigan and Chicago. So if there's something I've got to drink, hit me up on LinkedIn, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on the website. In fact, I don't think I have a forum on there. I need to put one. Um, just let us know what we need to be drinking. 
Yep. Sounds great. All right. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, Joe.